and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Hooray! Welcome. Hello. What are we talking about today? Well, we were going to talk about dialogue. All right. So how did you get into the writing industry? Um, no, I want you to go first. I go first? Because my story piggybacks off yours better. So. All right. Miranda, how did you get into the writing industry? How did I get into the writing industry? Well, my dad was a prolific storyteller growing up. Like, you know how kids go and they like ask their parents, like, read me a story, read me a story. Well, um, I didn't find out till later that my dad like didn't read super well. And so he would just make something up. That's kind of incredible. And so like and we would beg him for stories all the time because his were better than those stupid kid books. And so um, and eventually he got tired and he um well, there's a story for there another day. He eventually started stealing movies, but then he got tired of that, too, and he started having us make up our own. And I guess that was my first introduction, which I was thinking about the other day, but I didn't really start writing until high school, um, where I picked it up and joined a well-intentioned writer's group. <laughs> uh, they were they were awesome in their own way. And then... Uh, and I it mean, was, it was high school, so... It was high school. Ah, <laughs> uh, high school. And then it was just something that I kept coming back to, like, you know, came up with a couple ideas that I thought were awesome and original. And then someone's like, oh, you mean like this story? And it's like, oh, okay, (laughs) never mind. Um, And so I never thought it would be something that I did professionally, but it was just it was the one thing that I kept coming back to. Everyone's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, I want to be everything. And... That's not feasible. That's a lot of college debt if you try to be everything. And so um, I figured out the two professions where you could actually be everything, at least for a little bit, um, is writing and possibly acting. So, and because I just kept coming back to writing, that's what I decided to do. And now uh, I met you uh, through NaNoWriMo. Which we will definitely have an episode on at some point. We definitely will. National Novel Writing Month. And then once I met you through NaNoWriMo, we joined the writing group. And then through the writing group, uh, I found Northern Colorado Writers. And here we are today. I've published a couple of short stories, working on a novel. It's it's going well. So I, I like your story just because there are a lot of similarities, but then they diverge. Um, because I also, you know, was in... The high school writing group started in junior high. Um, I also have, I like how you went back in your story. So I like to say sometimes my my journey in the publishing world started when I was little and I was watching Reading Rainbow and they had a contest for to like to sub- write a story and submit it and they were going to pick the best ones and read them on air. And I wrote a story and I submitted it and I didn't win. And I was like... My dreams of being a writer have been crushed forever. No. <laughs> so uh, I blame Jordi LaForge for that one. But I did. So I got over it, obviously, enough to be in the writing groups in high school. But, but I discovered as I was working with friends and, and even just in school, like peer reviewing people's essays, is that I, I really like helping other people's writing get better. And then I slowly discovered there's this profession called being an editor. And um, I had a friend who had another friend who owned a publishing business. And she's like, she's looking for editors. 
So I went and joined the small publishing business and started editing. I mean, I had my college degree in English, so that was kind of my training there. And then I worked for this small publisher, and then I decided to branch out on my own. So I actually have my own freelance editing business called Lady Night Editing. So that's that's where I am today. All right. So what are we talking about today? I wanted to talk about balancing dialogue and description. This is something I see come up a lot in pieces that I'm editing and just when we're talking with writers. And so I thought our first question is just kind of basic, like why is it important to have both dialogue and description in your prose? Because anyone who has read one of those strictly literary essays in college can understand the importance of dialogue because I'm not saying they're not beautiful and I'm not saying they don't have their place in this world, but it definitely takes me longer to read that um, than it would. Well, just like something. reading a textbook, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the importance of dialogue. But then on the flip side, the importance of exposition is you got to know where you're at because the floating heads are very disconcerting. Hey, we're talking. Cool. <laughs> oh, wait, when did we get on a highway? Right. <laughs> like just a second ago, we were... <laughs> Yeah. We were back at the office. Why are we driving now? <laughs> yes. I, I like to say, too, you know, if people want to read just dialogue, they'll pick up a screenplay. Um, but how many people actually, like, some people do read screenplays for fun, and that's cool. But most people are going to consume that as a finished product, i.e. A, a TV show or a movie. And so and then they get the description as well as the dialogue. But the, the description is just all visual. So I usually find that authors tend to lean towards one of these or the other, dialogue or description, and have way too much of one of them than the other. And so I like to suggest that they balance them. So how how can you balance your writing if you tend to lean more towards one or the other? So, well, I think you, the editor, that would be, well, maybe we'll get we'll get to that too. Um, so me as, a, as predominantly a writer, what I do is I lean into my strength first. And so, like, I do, like, I, I don't know if this is the proper terminology, but here's how I describe it to other people. I do, like, a scene sketch. And so that's all the stuff that I have, like, super clear in my mind from the get-go. So it's like, okay, you know, we're talking back and forth, and he says this, and she says that, and then he slams a glass on the, on the floor. But that's, like, the only description I have, <laughs> just because I know that's the beat that goes there. And they continue back and forth. But then I'll go back and try to clarify who's doing what when. But I try not to overdo it because you can overdo it with like the tags and stuff of that nature. And so I usually like I understand that a lot of people like it's a lot of work, basically what it is. I used to I was writing the, is work. Writing is work. But I was the person in high school and college where sorry to all of my teachers, they just got the first draft of my essay. I right. never went back. I never fixed it. I never did anything. Um, and so it took me a little bit to learn. You will be rewriting. It <laughs> will be more work. You will do it over and over and over again. And so just kind of resign yourself to the fact that that's going to happen if you have a problem with that. There's some people who love that. <laughs> I love um, that, but <laughs> I had to work to love that. I had to learn to love that. Um, and so I had to learn that it was okay to go back and rewrite. And so like the first scene, I would do the sketch and then I would go through and I would fill it in. And so I guess if it's, we're continuing the art metaphor, it'd be adding the shading and adding dimension and things of that nature. And so that's, that's what I do. I'm curious to see you as, uh, you as an editor, if you have a person, a client who's heavy on one end or the other, how do you suggest they fix that? How do you point it out? How do you... Yeah, that's a good question. And and first, I just wanted to say, I think your um, 
method is really good. Like I, the, there's nothing like there's nothing wrong with having more than one or the other in a first draft. And and that's something that I have to remind a lot of my clients too, especially because I'll be telling them a lot of things to correct and then maybe they feel like, well, I failed as a writer. But I'm like, no, that's that's the point. Like you, you're going to do another pass. You're going to make it better. Uh, actually, let's continue the art metaphor because I always like to say that editing is like uh, Michelangelo describes sculpting, like the figure is in the marble. He's just figuring it out and he takes big strokes first to take away big chunks of marble. And then as he gets closer, he does all the little fine details. So that's what I think editing and writing is like. And that's definitely what you can do to balance your dialogue and description. I, I liked your example where you said like throwing a glass on the ground, like you definitely want to have a mix of things that the characters are doing um, as they're talking because, I mean, we're sitting here recording a podcast, so we are literally just sitting here doing pretty much nothing. But most of the time when you're having a conversation, something else is going on. Honestly, even in this situation, like you're nodding or laughing at me. So there, there are little things. <laughs> you're you're inter interjecting little things. I need to, I need to make my nods audible. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's kind of what I was thinking too. Um, but... So, so think about where your characters are when they're having this conversation. Um, and you can have your characters interact with the scene as well. Like, so I'm talking with you, but, you know, I'll pick up this glass and take a drink or like driving down the highway. Look, there's a car. What is that idiot doing? You know, that can interrupt your conversation and stuff like that. So, well, and it's a huge opportunity, description and stuff. And we're talking about uh, people uh, in my experience, people tend to be dialogue heavy. Yeah. Um, but I think that's because of all the visual mediums that we have uh, today. That's and, a good point. And audible mediums. We're used to, we understand the flow and rhythm of conversation a little bit better. But there's there's such an opportunity in exposition to insert tension. Yes. Because you can have, like, everyone says one thing and means another. That's where scene <laughs> tension comes from. And so you can have them saying one thing, but then doing something else with their body language. And you can get tension from that. And then that can help generate reader interest. I was actually, if it's okay to reference another podcast I was listening to, I was listening to Writing Excuses, and they were talking about... Um, how she she sometimes you know you could have two characters who are literally they just need to exchange some information but you could have them do it like while they're cooking and suddenly something starts to burn and so even though that's not related to the plot it adds tension and things to keep the reader engaged in the situation so you can also use it the other way to to build up tension that maybe isn't there in that moment plot wise definitely so how does one go about well, that's that's why balance is important. So you as an editor, how does how do you find the balance? Like where where is that line? Well, I think one like very practical thing you can do is once you have a draft, like get a highlighter and go through and highlight all the dialogue and then highlight the description and see which color there is more of on the page and then try to to balance it out as the as the story needs. So like, yeah, um, if for in, there are sometimes when it's okay to just have a bunch of dialogue, but that's usually going to be things where it's snappy paced dialogue and like an argument yeah. or like exactly because if you're if you're if you if people are so emotional and they're literally just standing there yelling at each other, then yeah, they're not going to do much else. So that is maybe one of the cases where you just want dialogue. But otherwise, um, you want to think about what your characters like. People need time to think in conversations. They don't usually speak. We can't all be Joss Whedon characters. We can't all be Joss Whedon characters. <laughs> like, not Joss Whedon himself, but yes. <laughs> Snappy, witty repartee. Right? It takes time to think of those things. And so the description gives – it serves a dual purpose of giving your readers time to 
to think as well as the characters. So the characters are maybe figuring out how they reacted to whatever the person just said. And then if there's some sort of big revelation, then your reader needs a moment to absorb that as well. Because if you just move on, then they might get three pages later and then you reference that thing again. And the reader's like, wait, what happened? I didn't notice because it was buried in the middle of a bunch of dialogue. So um, it's really a matter of pacing. Which is a whole nother episode. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we'll stick that iron back in the fire. <laughs> we're doing we're doing this podcast We're, we're thing, doing man. the puns, yes. <laughs> so part of the balance, like that's when it, a situation is okay to have just dialogue. Mm. So when is it okay mm. to just have description? And where is the line between having a lot of like description exposition and having an info dump? Which we can get into, <laughs> like we'll take the short answer now because I think we're running out of time. But And we can save the rest of that for another episode. But like when, where, where is the line? How can people look for that line? Like, yeah, well, I think like beginnings of scenes and chapters and things are really good places to have a lot of description because you really want to set up where the characters are for what's going on. Well, I know for, uh, I know for me, it, it turns into an info dump when I start getting bored. Mm. So, and I think it also really depends on genre. Yes. Um, because I will find like with something with high fantasy, I will have a lot more tolerance for lengthy descriptions and stuff like that versus something like a romance because yeah, it's a coffee shop. We get it. Move on. <laughs> like, no one cares. <laughs> I don't need to know what color the doilies are because just the fact that there are doilies tells me what kind of coffee shop this is. Like, That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah. You want to be judicial in your choice of details. Um, that was the other thing I was thinking. You reminded me where my train was going. Hey, we um, found the rails. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that you want your description to be relevant to the plot? Like you don't want, just want to be there describing, well, this person is five feet six and has brown hair and blue eyes and, and like, why do we care? But, you know, if, if the fact that she has blue eyes is important because it means that the POV character is lost in them, like that, that teaches you something both about the character and the person seeing it. So, so you want to think of using descriptions that are useful in moving something forward, either the plot or, or character development. Ooh, just slight sidebar. I found, I heard someone who had like a really great description with that. It probably doesn't relate to dialogue, but she was talking about how she didn't care what color a person's eye were, eyes were, but the fact that they had on day old makeup and mm -hmm. the, um, and the, eyeliner was smudged she's yeah. like that tells me a lot more about your character than what color their eyes are yes that's a perfect example i think because yeah it, it's doing more than one thing it's not just describing the character it's teaching you something about their past and so therefore that helps with exposition and then you can move straight on to dialogue yes we're gonna bring it back <laughs> Wait, what are we bringing it back to huh the main point oh, i assume I have <laughs> a point what tangents tangents are so much fun um i think the main point is just yeah Set up your, your description and have dialogue woven into it, as both as needed by the plot. I think that's that's the simple answer. It sounds so easy when we say it like that. But. Man, it's so <laughs> hard to execute sometimes, though. Yeah, but I think we're out of time today. I think we are. So for this week's question, what are some books that you have found that have done it well? And what are some books that you have found that really didn't do it well? Comment below, let us know, and we will see you in the next one. all the time we have for today, folks. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Writing Forge, an NCW podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge and our parent company, Northern Colorado Writers, be sure to check out our website at northerncoloradowriters.com. Check out our social links in the description. 
You can subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever podcasts are aired. If you like this episode, you'd really help us out by rating and reviewing. If you're looking for more informational writing content, be sure to become an NCW member. Stay sharp, my friends. Thank you.